if you put yourself in the place, if you put yourself and commit to the ritual of time and space, the magic will unfold. It'll happen. You know, you, you'll be instructed to move or guided to move in one way or another, but you have to show up for it to happen. If you're not there, you miss out on it. Welcome to the Mindful Soul Center podcast. My name is Amy Adams. I'm your host and the producer of this podcast. Recently, I had the opportunity to interview Lara Dwyer from Suka Yoga Australia. I'm really excited to share this interview where we discuss ritual. But before we get started, there's just one brief announcement. The new and second issue of Mindful Soul Center magazine is available to read for free online all the time. You can also purchase a downloadable edition, but you can access the magazine in its entirety for free. It's themindfulsoulcenter.com, so bookmark that and check it out. In the meantime, after you listen to this podcast episode, you can visit the website and you can find our premiere issue there. And also you can find a lot of different interviews and articles and lots of uh, meditations and different features there. And now let's get started. Before dedicating her work to the realm of yoga and helping people through movement and breath work and all that is yoga, Lara worked as a naturopath. She's been practicing yoga for 18 years and teaching for 10. I asked Lara to share her first experiences with yoga and how she got on this path to become a teacher. I loved going to those weekly classes. I loved the incense. I loved the routine. And I love the Shavasana. And I had some great insights in those Shavasanas as well, which led me to different journeys of my life, you know, sort of insights to go traveling and insights to explore the world. And through those insights, that led me one day to living in the US. I lived in New York City for just over a year. And whilst I was there, another miraculous connection that was brought through yoga is that I discovered Laughing Lotus Yoga Center. It just so worked out at the time that I was able to take their teacher training program, you know, just this, the stars aligned and I was able to attend it. And I thought, why not? I'm here. I signed up to the training because I loved the center. I just, I loved the women and the men that worked there in the community and the teacher training was such a joy. So I did my 200 hours, came home to Perth, Australia, started teaching Lotus Flow. And then I ended up going back to the States and do an additional 300 hours with Lotus. And that was phenomenal and I'm so grateful for the support of the teachers there particularly Dana Flynn and Jasmine Tarakeshi who are the owners of the center and since then it's just been a beautiful ride. I really love her passion for yoga and her gratitude for all of the teachers that she's studied with and I will put them in the show notes so you can learn more about them too. I'm doing it just because I'm so interested in it and I love how it shapes me and my world and from that, I just share from it with anyone that's willing to play with me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I, there is a sense of play with yoga, which I really like because we do kind of step back from our lives. I was following two of her videos on YouTube and she doesn't even have many videos. So it was just by chance that I found her when I was looking for something one day. Of course, I followed her on Instagram because I really enjoyed the practices. And one day, what do I see? I do want to mention something uh, to the listeners, which is very interesting, is that when I went to, for my undergraduate degree, my mentor and professor was Marie Roberts, who has a mural in the Laughing Lotus studio. <laughs> yeah, the connector on the wall that I've spent so many hours looking at. And when you said that, that's and I met her. I met her when she was touching it up one day. Yeah, Dana was like, oh, this is Marie, this lady who painted the Ganesha. It's like, awesome, I love that work. Yeah, that's plastered all over Instagram, that Ganesha. That's like, yeah, that's an institution. <laughs> yeah, and it's so amazing because uh, she's actually the um, re- artist in residence for Coney Island and does these beautiful banner paintings, and she does many, many other beautiful works um, mm-hmm. also. But it's just fascinating that, like, how these little connections and how we, we really are all connected. and. Um, Mm-hmm. I saw that on Instagram one day on Laura's post, and I was like, hmm, I know who painted that. <laughs> so, and so all these kinds of little connections are so, so important in our lives. So pay attention and, and listen to all of these signs and symbols. You know, people make fun sometimes. Oh, it's a sign. It's a sign. Ha ha ha. But really, they're signs. <laughs> so... Brief mention about signs and synchronicities. If you have one, share it by sending me an email to amy at mindfulsoulcenter.com and let's get back to the interview. I think actually yoga is pretty amazing too because I've seen other people who have started yoga and then they start to either find clarity about what they're doing in their life now, if it's their occupation or whatever, kind of being confused and then starting it, they get a lot of clarity and then realize, okay yeah, wait, I thought I didn't want this, but no, I do. Okay. (laughs) So, I mean, it's just like the weird ways that it kind of extends out and into our life. But one of the biggest problems that we have as practitioners, like for me and for many, many other people is that uh, finding time, finding a way to do it because it's, uh, I think it's kind of like a catch 22 where, I don't know, maybe that's the wrong phrase for it. But if you don't do it, you don't get the benefits of it. But you know you should do it. It's like one of those things like you know you know when you do it, you feel really good. And mm-hmm. even like for me, it actually changed my mental state. How do you think that people can find ways to care for themselves and take time for this? A great question, Amy, because I think that's often a lot of block and I around people wanting to have a ritual in their life, a connection, because they know how that makes them feel. And we know from the practice of yoga, you being an experienced yoga yourself, that yoga is the practice of coming home to yourself. It's the practice of going within, quieting down the external noise so you can hear guidance internally. And that gives you, therefore, better guidance um, and direction and insight as to how you move forward in life. So that's why we feel better when we practice. What I often sort of say to people when they come and see me for setting up you know, a personal practice daily, a ritual, is that there can be a lot of misconceptions around time. And people have the impression that, you know, if you can't do it for an hour, an hour and a half at 5am in the morning, 
then it's not worth it. I like to just move that away entirely and just say, look, you know, it is optimal if you can do it first thing in the morning because really if you try it, you will find that it's a beautiful way to set up your day. But that's not for everyone, night shift workers, whatever. We can find another time of the day. But it's almost like you just ritualise that time and space. And it's a time and space that you come back to day in, day out. So say it is the morning and say it is at like 6.30 or 6.45 before you got to get up to the rest of the household. It can be 10 minutes. You know, it can be 15 minutes. It can be stretching your arms up to the sky and maybe performing the few asanas that you know, sitting down, observing your breath and taking a little moment of meditation and then that's it, opening your eyes and going out into the world. But what I think people find is that the moment they just sort of give themselves that time and even if it is that they sit down on the mat and they don't even know what they're going to do but they just sit there, <laughs> eventually if you put yourself in the place, if you put yourself and commit to the ritual of time and space, the magic will unfold. It'll happen. You know, you, you'll be instructed to move or guided to move in one way or another, but you have to show up for it to happen. If you're not there, you miss out on it. Offer guidance to people just to sort of give themselves just that time, just a small pocket of time just to explore what they're like in their own essence without phones or any other distractions. I mean, if you want to play a little soft music to help add to the ritual and light a candle, then all means yes because that they're all involved in ritual and helping to set a beautiful space but yeah creating that time and space for yourself so important we jump back into time in a moment but first laura digs a little deeper speaking about sacred space i'm going to quote what my teacher dana flynn from laughing lotus said to me which is ritual is routine that's made holy uh and with a daily practice, it's something that you can cultivate, something that you can create that is sacred space. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's what pulls you out of the mundane. It's what pulls you out of sort of like daily existence and just brings you into this little anchorage of a moment where, you know, maybe you light a candle and you light some incense. So you've just got, you make your space beautiful and you practice in the same space. You know, maybe there's one place in your house that you go to each time. You might have a picture up on the mantelpiece or on the desk in front of you that just sort of, again, brings a sense of sacredness to it. Um, and what you choose to do then, whether it is that, you know, you've only got the time you know, to take five deep breaths and sit for a minute and then blow up the candle and move on your day, or whether you've got, you know, a little bit more time to play with and mediate with. So maybe you start by sitting quietly and you listen to body as how you wish to move that morning, um, you know, and explore some movement, maybe some things that you picked up in class. Maybe it's just some movement that you want to try out. And then after the movement, you sit again because that's how it works is that you move so then you can sit still. Then you might read something beautiful then you blow out the candle and get on with your day. But, you know, just these little quiet moments in the day, you know, it just, I find, again, it just gives that sacred break to the mundane. And it's incredible, I think, when you start practicing that, um, even initially with not knowing any reason as to why you're doing it, but just like an experiment, just to be curious. Okay, so if I just create this time and see what happens. Just how much I think importance and value starts to come around that because we are in a world where we run and we do and we fit so much in and like to actually just carve out a space and time where you do nothing else other than just listen to you mm -hmm. and what's inside you, this meat suit of a body, 
um, <laughs> it just becomes quite integral. And for me, I just, I think, you know, that's kind of like, you know, tuning your instrument at home. And then when you go join a class, you know, maybe there's a weekly class that you love to go to because of the community aspect and maybe you really connect with the teacher and, you know, that's kind of like playing in the orchestra. So, you know, you tune your music and your instrument at home and then you go play in the orchestra and you go connect with everybody and you see how you all move together and then you come home and do it again. And back to the topic of time. Actually, that is something that came up with a discussion with somebody recently. They were saying, well, I can't get to the class. And, mm. and I said, well, why don't you try it at home? You know, I think set it up so then you can actually set it up for success in a sense. You know, like you, like I said before, you have the ritual around lighting the candle, you know, putting the incense on. So it's just like, or, so you have smells or whatever, it's vaporizing oils or whatever that just sort of brings you into that sacred space. And maybe so you can limit your distractions. Maybe you put the dog out for five minutes or, you know, send messages to your children, which is interesting. They get it. You know, I mean, I have a three-year-old and... When I practice, she knows. <laughs> I've sure come up and watch, and she might sit on me in meditation. But kids pick up; they know the value of what. If you, if you're putting out that energy, like this is really important to me, this is what sets me up in the day, so I can be of service to you. They pick up on that. You know, when you're really clear about your piece, they understand. But I think ritualizing a yoga practice, it just it, it gives it so much weight and potency. And it just sets yourself up for whatever can unfold after that divine. I kind of feel lucky because I did participated in different kinds of physical activities in the past before I started yoga. Like I felt like I knew how to do a lunge. I knew how to do some things. And I think sometimes mm -hmm. people feel a little bit like, well, I don't really know what I'm doing. Do you think that following a video is a good idea for somebody who is just starting Absolutely. or... Yeah, for sure. Like, I think whatever gets you there, you know, I, I, I fully embrace for people to practice online with the video. You know, there's so many awesome yoga platforms out there now as well that offer classes for 10 minutes to two hours, you know. So by all means, if you're committing to that ritual of going to your mat and putting a screen on and practicing alongside with the teacher, absolutely. It's just about connection, you know, it's the body and movement and breath. So even you know, picking up what you know a couple of times from that video and then just running through it yourself and seeing what comes out from you from practicing that because I think joint classes are amazing for community and I love it, you know, people can get to a joint class, incredible. But the one thing that I think that really is poignant in shifting your world is like a daily practice for yourself. And that's where the deepest insights come from, I believe, is when you have that ritual daily and the repetition because that, that's what brings the insight yeah right so I yeah because I know that money like for me even when I was having my health crisis I didn't even want to go out and be seen publicly or I didn't want to go to a class so for me the videos were great I had found this one instructor and uh, Erica Vetra who was doing like her the way that she was breathing too like I think people have to find somebody that they feel good following too yeah. and like so she was the first person who I actually because I watched some different videos and she was the first person that I was like oh wait I can like my breath was like aligned with her like I felt like I wasn't you know sometimes I felt like I was out of breath if I was following someone else or it just didn't synchronize in my thing and then later I found you and I felt like like 
like I think you have to find the person that's right for you too because I think some teachers are um really different so like I know that when I want to do something that's like really kind of more physically aggressive I'll follow one teacher or if I want to do something that's more like um smooth or something I'll follow another it's a and I think money though was like a big thing too, because at the time I couldn't work as much because I wasn't well. So I wasn't making as much money and I didn't want to spend money going to a studio. But then, you know, as things changed then it was like, okay, well I can go and do some other things. But that, that's a big mm-hmm. objection. I think for some people it's like no time, no money. There's always like excuses. But then when we start to do it, it's like, why didn't I do this in the past? <laughs> so, <laughs> and I mean, a home practice is something that, Money is not needed, and time. What is time? Right. <laughs> and <laughs> you write your day out, and you see where you can find those fifteen minutes or longer. You know, you probably find that you can get longer. And you know, time management. We we all can get some knowledge on that as to where we can find it for sure. And if there's a real block for doing it first thing in the morning, then don't do it in the afternoon when you've got the time to do it. But mm-hmm. make the time somewhere just make the time and start really small maybe it's five minutes and then you might find that you're enjoying it and that could increase to 10 or 15 or half an hour but mm-hmm. that's small. I think if you just commit to too much you know say I'm going to get up at 5 a.m every morning and practice for an hour and you're not a morning person and you've never had a practice like this before well I don't know if it's going to last very long unless you're extremely type a and you stick to it you know right right the other thing that I will say as well that's quite mystical about it is that there is something special about sticking to a practice like sticking to a ritual for 40 days um 40 being uh, a number that has been associated religiously cross religion you know as to when an unveiling or something incredibly insightful has happened you know it's just been a a practice of 40 days if you look it up you know the burning bush with moses and jesus Mm -hmm. walking through the desert 40 days and it tends to come up a bit as well throughout Vedic literature too this significance of 40 days and you know we know that habits can shift within 40 days too so it's something just to try and say okay well I'm going to commit to this for 40 days and see what that does systemically for you if you commit to it so I'm interested too though like because for uh shavasana is which is like the resting or corpse pose um mm. and you said that you got, gained a lot of insights from that mm. and I'm kind of interested in that because I actually don't really like shavasana I think because mm. I'm too I want to always be like okay I'm done I'm ready to go let's go do something else <laughs> I mean it's, it's I'm not against it I mean it's nice sometimes and mm. I've I've never had any insights from shavasana <laughs> so I want to know a little bit more about that so if you wouldn't mind sharing something about that well it's interesting you say that Annie, as well because I think a lot of people would feel exactly the same as you do and you know, I just think in this world that we live in now particularly the western culture where there's a lot of effort in our lives you know we're efforting forward all the time and we're always jumping from one thing to the next to the next and when we actually lie down and stop and start to tip into that parasympathetic nervous system state for us to lie there and do nothing is very confronting your nervous system is almost conditioned to not experience that unless you're tucked up in bed and are conditioned to fall asleep so lying down away from bed and lying down in shavasana it's almost like there's an overhaul that happens in your nervous system it's like this isn't right we should be up we should be moving we should be doing Mm -hmm. so it's something just to really speak to and to say that's completely okay and a lot of people feel that way a way that you can kind of sink a little deeper into that is first just witness it and just go well this is okay that i feel this way and i'm conditioned to feel this way 
and I know that I feel this way and that's okay. <laughs> and then secondly, maybe you think, okay, well, if I'm feeling, you know, a little anxious or bored about being here in Shavasana, I wonder if I could take my attention to perhaps something a little bit more integral. So maybe focusing on your breath or a mantra that is true to you and just see what that does to sort of shift you into a place of perhaps relaxation, maybe not, but they're just some tools that you can play with. And I, I found for me personally, like when I would rest in Shavasana in those early days, the insights would be when I would come out of it. And it's like wow. this yoga practice and there's just something about which yoga, which keeps us all coming back to it. It's just that the way that the poses are designed, there's energy unlocking happening within the body and just currency moves freely and whatever was blocked before is no longer you're able to return back to a truer essence and so whatever is supposed to unfold for you next you know whether it's something you're supposed to be moving towards it becomes a little clearer mm -hmm. so after that practice of just sort of resting and truly receiving the grace from your efforts from yoga and resting in shavasana when you come out of it it's like oh well i don't know what's blocking me from hopping on that flight to go over here and do that training it's just my mind and I've got the funds to do it and the care and whatever it is I'll go and do that or I don't know or not having that job and there's another one that I can apply for maybe I'll do that it just kind of helps you get over yourself when yeah, you stop otherwise if we just keep going all the time we've got no time to pause and actually receive the insight we keep running 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 shavasana gives us the pause in a way, it's kind of like a meditative period too. Because I kind of think of yoga in general. I mean, just the asanas as a meditation for me. I like as a movement meditation because I used to be a runner. And for mm -hmm. me, that was a way that I would always really get a lot of clarity. Like my, I loved mm -hmm. running because mm -hmm. it just, at the end, I mean, of course, endorphins are always nice, you know, like the physical yes. part of it. But I really did. My mind was kind of cleared out. And I think that's the thing that I liked about yoga too, because when I, I couldn't run anymore, I could do it. And then I could, um, even though it was hard sometimes, I was like, I felt more clear. And I still, I kind of think yoga is really interesting because it's always challenging. Like one day you mm -hmm. can do something and then the next day it's completely like, it, mm -hmm. it can be very difficult, the very same thing. Absolutely. I don't know. I, that I think is kind of interesting. <laughs> so. yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting to love to speak to the sense, like I know a lot of people say that they find their running practice or their physical asana part of the yoga practice is incredibly meditative. And I agree in one sense that yes, it's, it's great for, um, clearing out, like you said, the endorphins uh, and the mindfulness side of it. But I, I truly feel like a, a meditation practice where you just sit mm -hmm. and have to sit and allow everything just to fall away and for you just to get quieter and quieter and go deeper and deeper. You know, that's that's where the real sort of settling comes, you mm -hmm. know, like that. that's where... Um, the deeper connections can really expose themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there, there is a difference still. I, I do believe that a seated meditation practice is one where you can really achieve the, the most benefits of that full connection, that soul connection. Yeah. yeah. Do you think there's kind of like a difference between habit and uh, ritual? Uh, ritual adds the spiritual. And I think, again, it can be a block that people will think, I don't have a designated place in my home. You know, I 
living in New York, I had a shoebox of an apartment. Like I can't even <laughs> tell you how small, ridiculously, disgustingly small it was. And it, I could barely roll my mat out in the apartment anywhere. My ritual was roll the mat out, even it, over, it overlapped into the kitchen, light a candle and a stick of incense. And there it is. You know, I had a picture of a deity up on the wall. Simple as that. Like I think we try to sort of over-engineer it and think I need this place, I need this beautiful room, I need a whole candelabra. <laughs> like it, it, like it just starts to complicate it. I just want it to be super simple for people. But I do think there is something important about making it feel beautiful, making it feel special rather than just sort of it being routine. Like make it a ritual, make it holy, make it spiritual. Maybe it's that you do a little bit of practice with that candle burning and then like you've got there, you read through a book that's inspirational and you read one page while you have your cup of coffee or a cup of tea. I can't tell you enough how... Especially like I think when you come speaking to women that are mothers out there, you know, where their day can start super early. Like if you're able just to have 10 minutes of that before child or children wake up and you're immediately answering to the demands of somebody else, like if you can just have that little bit of movement and quiet time and perhaps just like a quarter of a cup of tea while reading something that's special, it feels like you've been taken care of rather than people just taking from you all day long. Mm -hmm. Again, the smells as well, like I think you've got that candle burning or some incense, that the olfactory part of it just helps to bring you into that mm -hmm. ritualized time and space, like you would if you went to a church or a temple or a synagogue or a mosque. You know, there's always scents burning to help bring people into that aspect yeah. of spiritual. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I actually, yeah, I love the um, smell of incense, and um, and even from childhood, you know, I remember like all of the kind of incense burning and everything, and it yeah. just uh, so it's such a good thing, and that is such a interesting thing to think about our senses too, because that does bring us into that kind of space, especially with repetition. You do it for forty days with that burning, and then it's just like you'll smell that and just go, okay, it's time for me. I, I try to sometimes think too about like. I, I have some card decks and I sometimes I have an Osho deck because I like, uh, I know it's controversial for some people, but I love is basically a bunch of like Zen stories and different uh, kinds of insights from different uh, religious traditions. And so I like to pull like one sometimes and just think, I don't even read sometimes the description. It's just like to look at the picture and maybe it says like moment to moment or abundance or something. And then I think about, I'll think about that while, uh, while I'm taking the dog for a walk or something or do it before my yoga practice to kind of think, to have like a focus. Some days it's just like, I just want to get through the practice. So yeah. And then I do like to do this, which I, I think it makes some people uncomfortable too, is I like to ohm. I'm a big fan of the ohm. I live in a very populated area. And when I do yoga outside, um, I do have kind of, uh, not everybody could see me. I do have a little barrier or whatever, but I do have neighbors above and on the sides of me. So sometimes when I'm outside and I'm you know, doing my own or whatever. I, at first I was very self-conscious about it too. Mm. And then I was like, you know what? I, it doesn't matter. Who cares? Like I just, you know, mm. yeah, whatever. <laughs> like I had to get over it, you know, <laughs> but because at first I was like, oh, you know, and then I was <laughs> like, oh, you know, really like more <laughs> eventually, but it took a while to get there. <laughs> so I do like one of the practices that you have online that I really love, like that Lotus Mudra. Mm -hmm. I love that. 
I never really like mudras was something that I never really knew a lot about or anything. Mm-hmm. It's still something that's kind of mysterious to me. So I like that. Um, to me, that was almost like the the ritual too, like of uh, doing the mudra in the beginning and then at the end mm-hmm. and then or like and then even shavasana is really. I know it's an asana technically, and they say it's mm-hmm. one of the hardest ones mm-hmm. that does that. <laughs> so, but um, I do feel like that's also part of rituals I, I would like to ask, can you share like how people can get in touch with you um your website or some social media yes so my website is suka yoga australia so that's s-u-k-h-a yoga australia.com.au and i generally put up most of what i'm doing on there i'm terrible on social media like mm-hmm. I, i'm just <laughs> <laughs> yes you are <laughs> social media I don't I don't post a lot I just I find it's one thing I can't really get a grasp on but I do have I think they call the Instagram to the handle is that right you mm-hmm. call it yep it's the Perth or Australia I don't know I think I it's I think that. it's uh Perth is it Yoga Perth it might be yeah, yeah. Yoga Perth. um but yeah generally <laughs> you know, shoot me an email <laughs> um and yeah I, I used to usually put all my updates on there I teach in Perth I, I leave retreats and have done over the past five years to India and I will do another one in the upcoming years soon. Yeah. That's where you can find me. I want to know more about that. What does Sukha yoga mean? Yeah. Sukha is a term. It's a Vedic term and it means sweetness. Um, It means steadiness. It means contentment. So yeah, to have Sukha is to be content and happy. I just, you know, I, I really would love your listeners, our listeners, to um, perhaps feel inspired from our conversation in the sense of them to start investigating or getting curious to what ritual would look like for them. And just I think the number one thing is to remember that it can be any amount of time. You know, if you have a minute, then that's what you're going to give. But just to start now, start tomorrow with um, that practice and just just see what it opens up and does for you. I just, yeah, I'd be so curious for you to try it and perhaps let us know via your platform, Amy, as to how it's working for you. Yeah, and uh, so you can tag us at the Mindful Soul Center um, on Instagram, but also um, Instagram for you is... Oh, okay, that's that's a good question. Okay. Um, yeah, that's it, I think, yeah. <laughs> yep. So if anyone who's listening is also in Perth, you can find Laura teaching live classes there and yeah. stuff. So, and you can find her website and everything. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And I can't wait to share it with everyone because I know that they'll learn so much um, about yoga and about uh, ritual. And I really appreciate it, Laura. Thank you for the conversation, Amy. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. You can find Laura's website at www.sukayogaaustralia.com.au. It's S-U-K-H-A, yogaaustralia.com.au. If you like this interview, please leave a review. It really helps get this podcast known so other people can benefit from uh, these listenings. So thank you for joining us today and tag us. Let us know your experience.
until next time.